Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of Media Voices. This season, as you'll know, we're doing deep dives into some of the biggest trends, tools and tech that has affected publishers over the past 12 months. Now that's as part of our annual Media Moments 2023 report, which is going to be released early December. And you can pre-register for that at voices.media forward slash mm23. But this week, we're going to be talking about everything to do with subscriptions. And so we are delighted to be joined by Zamir Wali Mohammed, who is the head of digital marketing and subscriptions at Motorsport Magazine. So Zamir's played a pivotal role in driving Motorsport Magazine's digital expansion and the marketing initiatives around that. He's got a keen eye for this evolving media landscape, so we're delighted to have him. And he spearheads strategies that amplify the magazine's online presence, increasing subscriber engagement, and maximizing digital revenue streams. So Zamir, thank you so much for taking the time to come and have a chat with us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. And as ever, I've forgotten to introduce myself. So I'm Chris Sutcliffe. And I'm Peter Houston. Fantastic. Well, I mean, subscriptions, where do you even start at this point? Because it has been such (laughs) a focus for the media landscape for as long as there has been a media landscape. Peter, you uh, have much more experience in terms of this than I do. But while we've got Zamir, I wondered... Can I just pile in a second? I think what's really interesting, Zamir's been at Motorsport now for, well, in publishing terms, a long time. You've been there for about 10 years, Zamir, is that right? Oh, thank, thank you, Peter, for robbing it in. Um, in fact, you know what? I, <laughs> I celebrated my 12th year anniversary not oh, long wow. ago. Congratulations. Uh, you know, been, I have, yeah, I have been here for a long time. Um, and, well, you know, if you're having fun, um, why, why <laughs> stop? <laughs> but I reckon yeah. over those 10 years, you know, that's the kind of 10 years that subscriptions and reader revenue has really come back into play. So you must have seen uh, a lot of change in that time. I, I have. I feel like I'm going to probably tell you guys something that you probably already know to some degree extent. Um, you know, the most significant shift has obviously been the transition from print to digital. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've got, uh, you know, growing consumer willingness to pay for premium digital content, content that probably wasn't around before. You know, but with that, you know, for us at Multiple, this transition hasn't, you know, just presented its own challenges, you know, particularly in assisting some of our long-standing readers to, you know, navigate their subscriptions online because obviously if it becomes digital, you have to use more digital solutions in order to accommodate that. And so what we've had to do is making sure that a lot of our systems are well integrated. So something like our email service provider is fully integrated with our subscription management solution. Um, and what that allows us to do is to making sure that we're able to send, you know, tailored communication to subscribers, informing them and educating them about the wealth of digital content available at their fingertips as part of their subscription package, whether that be online, in their app, or newsletter preferences that are available to them. That's an interesting one, because you guys have been going since 1924, is that right? That is correct. Next year, we'll be celebrating our 100th anniversary. Wow. Very nice. And you've got readers that have been reading the magazine literally for decades. Uh, listen, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if I've got somebody that said they've been reading us since the beginning of time. But no, but on a, on a serious note, um, we have regularly received comments from customers who have been receiving, you know, reading us, sorry, since, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years. Um, I, one of the things that we're very fortunate about is we have a very loyal readership here at Motorsport. Mm. Without being ageist... I'm allowed to be ageist, actually, because I'm an old guy these days. <laughs> to to bring to bring some of these older readers on from you know to, to a digital subscription, even if they're still getting print and digital, 
that's got to be quite a communications challenge. Y- yes, um, but I think this probably plays into a bit of a bit of the question that Chris kind of asked before. Right? It's about improving the technology stack that you have within your ecosystem. If you make it easy enough for a consumer to upgrade their subscription online without too many buttons, too many clicks, too many stages, then, you know, it, it is possible. You know, everything nowadays is is available in your pocket on your mobile phone. So, you know, look, I appreciate there is going to be a a level of or a, a number of customers that are just going to want to do everything via the old school phone, um, which is fine. I accept that. But I think over time, you can funnel people in a right way to take advantage of everything that's being done. You know, Multisport is investing heavily in its digital infrastructure. The amount of offerings that we do offer online is incredible. Our, our entire archive from 1924 is available online. That is an incredible resource. Yeah, and amazing. as part of your subscription, you get access to it. So why wouldn't we want to give that to our customers? I just think the the heritage of a brand like that, hundred, you know, think I never mind magazine publishing. Think how much motorsports changed in a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, that's I, hope crazy. Not, I, I hope you're not going to start telling me about uh, engine and sashi. No, <laughs> I don't, to be honest, I don't know much about need, that. I'll need to bring the editorial team on board for that sort of stuff. <laughs> but one of the other points that Chris mentioned that I probably would want to expand on as well around changes within the subscription space is. <laughs> technology that powers subscriptions um you know i I think that space has changed quite a lot is in fact i think pretty impressive now that you have a number of cloud-based subscription platforms that align basically with best practices um you know you allow customers to you know pay via a number of variety payment methods whether that be apple pay paypal direct debits um they're able to tailor uh, different offers to customers depending on where they are in, on preference or geographical locations. So a perfect example for me would be somebody in the US is presented with just a digital-only subscription. Um, the price is displayed in US dollars. Uh, it eliminates the delivery address because it's a digital product. Um, and and that for me is, is amazing because 10 years ago, that didn't exist. And how much of it is off the shelf at the moment now? Because there are, like you said, the, the investment that has gone into that is unbelievable over the past couple of years. To what extent is it easy now for even small publications to pick up very powerful tech stacks to use in their subscription and their subscription marketing just off the shelf? I would say you can take it off the shelf. Um, but I, I think the difficulty that a lot of publishers have is our legacy infrastructure that we have in place. Mm. Um, a lot of these softwares are plug and play. Um, anyone new starting up has a broad range of options available to them that just makes sense for them to just go into that direction. Um, but someone like Multisport or any other kind of old school publishers out there, you know, we've, we've built differently. You know, we've got a lot of old processes that, you know, in order for us to unplug subscriptions, it's not as easy as to plug and play. You know, we've got to mm-hmm. unplug 10 different things before we can plug in the new system. But, and I don't think it's a case of, um, you know, publishers not believing in the technology because, you know, some of them and some of the larger publishing companies have already done this. You know, they're taking advantage of some very powerful software that's out there. Um, but I I do believe over time, a lot more publishers will be taking advantage of this. 
Still talking about tech there, where would you say some of the biggest opportunities are? We've seen, you know, rapid progression in terms of how much personalization can be done, you know, in terms of actual like flexibility of paywalls. Where do you say that the smart publishers now are actually putting their placing their chips? I think it's that point you said there, the personalization. I, I would say, you know, someone like Zephyr, um, mm. whose paywall solution is exceptionally and again, they are somebody that you could plug and play within your existing ecosystem. Um, they're very clever, very smart. They offer personalization. You're able to A-B test. You get meaningful data out of their platform. Now, multiple, we don't use them. Um, but in the future, I, I would think that is something that will definitely go down if we were doing. I think publishers that are um, selling or doing well should be utilizing that sort of technology. I'm interested in that integration idea that you know that... <sighs> Email, I guess, is a huge marketing vehicle for you. And having the data from what people have been looking at to what you're trying to sell them or upsell them or renew is probably massively, massively important. Is that fair? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Email for us is one of our strongest platforms. Um, Over the years, we've developed it and refined it to making sure it's it accommodates our customer needs. Um, and as I mentioned before, it now integrates into our subscription and website. So we know, depending on what subscription product somebody takes. So as an example, if somebody has purchased a full subscription, a whole bundle subscription, naturally they probably may have wanted the print magazine delivered to their home. But we, we, we drop them into a kind of welcome program, kind of saying thank you for subscribing to Multisport. Then a week later, we maybe send them another communication to say, don't forget, you have access to a free multiple app where you're able to access multiple on the go. Um, and then, you know, keep making them aware of the various options that are available to them uh, for products or services, whether that be the podcast, um, our database, the 100 years of archive that is all available online. And we drip feed that to them so that they're, as we mentioned before, even the older readers are taking advantage of all of these solutions. And it's important to know that actually in order to take out a subscription to Multisport, you have to supply an email address. So we will always be communicating with them. Um, and probably another example to give to that is naturally we do offer trial subscriptions. Mm. Um, and again, that's perfect for us because we, we funnel those people and treat those people very differently to those that have taken out a straight subscription because obviously some people have trial and then drop off. We then offer them, you know, options that are available to, to say to them, well, look, this is what you're missing out on, or this is what, it may be giving them another incentive. Maybe they took out a print trial. We then offer them a digital trial because it's slightly cheaper um, to tell them maybe you want to take care or take advantage of everything that's available to them online. And at that point, I suppose that the some of the hard costs of acquisition has already been done. You know, you have established a relationship with these people already. So it's actually just a matter of refining your subscription offer to tailor it to what they want. Definitely. Uh, I don't feel like I've got anything more to say to that one, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's <really fair>. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer ever. <laughs> uh, yes, correct. <laughs> yes, I agree. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I think it, it, it's interesting. I had a conversation the other day, someone talking about, uh, actually they were talking about Apple News, uh, and what they were saying was that it's no longer that kind of um, spray and pray approach to things. It is all about targeting. Mm. It's about really, really digging into what people want. For me, at 
Multiple Magazine, Apple News Plus has been a big, big leap for us. It's been a, mm. has been a good stepping stone for us because naturally, for those that don't know, Apple News is obviously it's free. Anyone can consume news-based content within Apple News. Uh, it's available on all Apple devices. But then Apple also offer Apple News Plus, which is part of their subscription proposition. Um, and what Apple have obviously done is uh, it's an invite only. Um, and this year, Multisport was invited to be part of that proposal. Um, so for us, it's been fantastic because I've now been able to engage with a whole new audience that we just never had before. Um, and for me personally, I think it's exceptionally important that publishers take advantage of the amount of different um, uh, the, the platform offerings that are out there. We need to recognize the importance of you know, how we distribute our content. I was just going to say, you were talking there about, you know, almost casting a wide net to reach as, as large an audience with at least that initial touch point as possible. I wondered, we, we sort of glossed over it before, but over those 12 years, what have you seen in terms of people's propensity to pay for a digital subscription? Because I expect that it has increased radically, but I just wondered how you've seen that and whether the interplay between that type of subscription for a magazine versus, say, you know, the mag- uh, subscription for a service like, either Netflix or Xbox Live or whatever, has changed. Are people more amenable now to subscriptions no matter what they are subscribing to online? Um, I would say yes. You know, I mean, if you think about, you know, the economic challenges that have been going on for multisport, our subscriptions have been really good. They've exceeded expectations, if anything. Mm. Uh, and the visitors we've observed suggest that in times of uncertainty, you just prioritise reliable and high-quality content that aligns with their passion. Um, our performance has not just met, but has surpassed our targets in terms of revenue and volume, which is fantastic for us. And, and moving forward uh, into the new year, I, 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 I see that both growing. This thing about the magazine, you still talk, you know, it's still there, so prominent in the name. But obviously, a lot of what we're talking about is digital. Um, that heritage, I guess, is is really important because that's how people know the brand. But you, there's there's a little bit more than that going on, isn't there? There's like it's almost like you've talked about the content, and it's that idea of yeah, this is a magazine. This is not just a website. Is that is that a fair way of describing what you guys are trying to do? Yes, I would say so. I think um, I, I think it's worth noting that there's obviously a number of other businesses out there with multisport in their name in some way shape or form so including magazine helps us reinforce our identity um but uh, like you said peter i think retaining the word magazine in in our branding reinforces the rich heritage and the and authoritative journalism that multisport has delivered for many years Uh, it resonates really well with our current core audience who value depth and quality, which, you know, aids persuading new subscribers who are seeking that sort of substance and tradition. Um, uh, I would also say, you know, the word magazine implies a a collection of content that is not just timely, but timeless. You know, we were talking about this before, you know, how we, I know I regularly get comms from subscribers that have been subscribing to us for decades. Um, And I think that's important, that sense of lasting value that encourage you know, and I think that helps both digital and print subscriptions because it's it's it it represents content that's that's worth coming to. Uh, you know, and, and, and I think we see that quite a lot because 
besides the magazine, one of the other things that Multiple does here, we, we, we publish specials on a regular basis, which is a collection of content from previous years into, into what we call bookazines or specials, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether that be on particular car marks, like Ferrari, Porsche, or on particular drivers like Jim Clark or Jackie Stewart's. I hate that word, bookazine, but as a business <laughs> opportunity, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just one of those that. words, it's like, oh my God, it's amazing, the, the opportunities that you've got buried in that archive. Well, yes, and, and, and I think maybe multisport is very fortunate in that sense. Um, something that we we done a, we did a number of years ago, we, we started a, a new program with Readly, um, whereby we took advantage of that back catalogue and we are now starting to publish a few of our archive editions into Readly called Readly Retros. Um, wow. And again, what, what this, what, how this helps us as a, as a business um, is naturally when a magazine first comes out, um, any monthly title, because multiple is a monthly title, we get that initial spike. Everyone's really excited. Everyone's reading it online downloading it on the app and then it drops off pretty quickly and then obviously then readers are then waiting for the next issue so giving readers the ability to kind of say well look here you go here's something from 1987 june june 1987 or something here you go enjoy yourselves this is something that resonates well with them or we you know and obviously it's not just random issues you know we'll, we'll drop a Le Mans special issue during you know the time of when Le Mans going on or at the start of F1 season or when it's an anniversary of a particular race or driver's driver anniversary it's a good time to release those particular issues and it works well for us because it means our readers are constantly being able to enjoy multiple throughout the whole month so one of the things that what happens with subscription marketing, with marketing of all kinds, is that people focus on the perception of value and you want people to know that they are getting a really, really good value from the subscription. So you've spoken there about um, partnerships, which obviously add value coming from an external source. I wonder what can you sort of tell us about what you've learned from doing partnerships and what that actually offers to a subscription business? Yeah. So besides the... The, the standard stuff that I think most publishers tend to do in this day and age where we um, list to new subscribers as well as sometimes existing subscribers what the benefits are. So before taking out a subscription, you get access to A, B, and C um, or whether that be, you know, the different the offers that are available by taking offer A, you get access to archive, print magazine delivered where option B means you just have digital access. One of the things that we've done this year is uh, partner up with external partners, um, brands such as Hornby, F1 Arcade, and Automobilist. And these strategic collaborations are aimed at mutual benefits. You know, what we're doing is we're, we're allowing those external partners to leverage our highly engaged audience, which is an excellent fit for their brands. Um, and we provide these partners with valuable exposure. And in return, we were able to enhance our subscription offers by bundling them with you know, partner products or creating joint promotional competitions, which serves as an effective way for us to data to do data capture. So we're able to kind of bring in new people for us at Multisport that probably didn't know about Multisport. So mm. I think that's that's really important, and and it has worked because a number of these partners, the ones that I've mentioned, you know, there, there's a few more, but 
I'll focus on those. You know, if it works well in the sense that I've seen, you know, people engaging well, we then go about building stronger relationships with, with these brands. Um, so, for example, with F1 Arcade, if you know, we we're now part of their uh, membership uh, hub. So, if you go to F1 Arcade, you play on the simulator, um, you collect points, then you convert those points for a subscription at Motorsport Magazine. Sorry, so just so I've got that, I've got that clear. The be- if they perform really, really well in the arcade, they can then exchange those points for a subscription. That's correct. Why isn't everybody doing that? That's Chris on F1 Arcade. Why is that? I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know if I should shout about that. I don't want to, I don't want everyone jumping. <laughs> yeah, but to be, to be fair, I, sh- I should, I should flag that we are the official magazine partner for F1 Arcade. So I'm less worried about another, somebody else trying to do that. But no, it is, it's, I think it's that. Um, I think it's about breaking those norms of what we think we should be doing in the sense of the standard kind of, we push a high value subscription. If the high value subscription doesn't work, in fact, more publishers do this, you know, you can log online now and they'll do the standard three months for X pounds, you know, and then it does work because sometimes, you know, bringing in people in from a trial offer is important, but sometimes that new, those, you know, what what we really all need is new data. You know, we need new leads. We need people filling at the top of the funnel. But more importantly, it has to be good data coming in at the top of the funnel. I, I don't need, you know, multisport is a very niche title, I would say. You know, we, we cover, you know, we're very authoritative, very thorough in the sort of content that we do. It's not, you know, for everyone. Most of our readers are of the older demographic. But... That's not saying that a younger audience can't enjoy what we have to offer. Um, so, yeah. I'm actually interested in the horn based thing. I thought they just did trains. I was going to say, I'm very excited <laughs> to hear uh, about the, the trains. Yes, yeah, so Hornby, I should probably elaborate further because, yeah, you're right. Hornby is a quite a large brand. So, it's actually the Scale Extracts area. Oh, of no, Scale Which is where? So, last year we did a massive, uh, we did a massive collaboration with them. Um, which which worked wonders. Naturally, there's a large portion of our reader base that has a scale electrics model set. You know, every, you know, is the who doesn't who doesn't enjoy scale electrics? It's incredible. Absolutely, I know one hundred percent. That's honestly between that and the and the racing simulator. I I think you've just made mine and Peter's day. I think we are, we need to go away, Peter, put our heads together, and determine how we can get both scale electrics and a VR simulator into our uh, Media Voices ecosystem. Yeah, that would be nice. Definitely <laughs> would be nice. So we're laughing, and it's this is all great fun, but it's been a tough year, yeah, uh, for a lot of people. Um, has have you seen a sort of downturn? You know, we we talked about the cost of living crisis, and it's become a little bit of a kind of cliche, I think, or not maybe not a cliche, but a little bit empty. But has it had a direct impact on on your business? I, I would say, yeah, yeah. In fact, I would say yes. I think there are times when it's been tough. To not say it hasn't been is, is wouldn't be true. But you know what? I would actually now I'll probably give credit to my team. You know, I have a a good team here who have the you know we keep an eye on the data, we track what's going on, um, and we're, we're quite agile to be able to pivot when required. Um, you know, something that in fact probably going back to one of the kind of conversations that we were having at the start, in the sense of what, um, what we did at Multisports, um, 
to help with stuff like this. You know, we probably was about four years ago, we did a complete overhaul of the multiple website. You know, you know, it was a complete rebuild of, of the site. And part of that rebuild was, you know, the, the subscription structure. You know, we, you know, we shifted from diverting users away from an external site to a more seamless experience within our own domain. Um, we consolidated our subscription offerings from four down to two, you know, so it went from just bundle and digital. Um, and this sort of simplification, um, along with, which I think is quite interesting, is exclusively offering only continuous payments organically on the site. Um, for us, has been really positive in terms of retention rates and appealing to our most dedicated customers. Um, but at times, not everyone wants to do that. You know, not everyone wants to commit to a regular DD payment. So this is where it all kind of falls back into that whole making sure everything is seamlessly integrated. So you know, my team are well aware of the fact that at times people are not converting because they know, you know, they want to give that commitment over to saying, you know, they they want to pay every month for a multiple subscription. So you know, that's when the trial comes into the mix of it, all those collaboration with external partners and and, in, and it's been working for us. And actually coming back to Peter, your point, taking advantage of external partners like Readly, Apple News Plus, um, Zinio, you know, there's a lot of players out there, multiple, we take advantage of it. It just makes sense. One of the things that, you know, for years and years and years now, we've heard this phrase subscription fatigue and every time it always seems to be on the horizon, not yet arriving. Um, I suppose from a from an expert's perspective, Zamir, from having actually worked within subscriptions, has that been a perennial fear for you? And to what extent do you feel like it is even a, a real thing? Well, for, firstly, Chris, I think I'll take away um, subscription expert. The guys keep telling me here my job titles, you know, every year keeps growing. I might just need to add <laughs> the word expert. Ex- expert head of digital. <laughs> do it. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> this certainly is a risk. Uh, for subscription fatigue, uh, but you know the, the market is saturated with so many people offering content. You know, with more and more websites ever you know coming out of woodworks. But I would say it's probably going to affect publishers who don't offer a, you know a clear, unique selling proposition. Uh, mm. Publishers that deliver a solid product with a distinct, high quality content dedicated to a dedicated audience. I, I personally believe I'm going to they'll continue to thrive. The key to avoiding subscription fatigue for me is to you know to provide exceptional value that cannot be easily replicated by other sources um, for publishers who have a you know have a good understanding of their audience's needs and preferences and and actually invest you know it's, it's a hard thing to say but you've got to invest in meeting those you know consistently um, and then for me you know I think it's, it'll be fine you know another factor that will probably mitigate risks for subscription fatigue is is community building. Uh, publishers, you know, that create a sense of community around their content, offering more than just articles. Um, you know, the fact that you can do events, forums, interactive features. Uh, you know, at Multisport, we do do events, which I think is fantastic. We obviously offer a, a suite of other products and services. Um, you know, even small stuff like we've recently reintroduced puzzles online. You know, mm. it means there's more. For our subscribers to do online besides just read an article. I also saw on your website you're selling signed motorsport helmets. Um, was it Jensen Button's helmet for sale for like two grand? Yes, yeah, so actually, uh, at the launch of the, the new site, um, we ventured into a fully fledged kind of e commerce platform, um, acting as a marketplace 
for vendors. So what this meant was, uh-huh. you know, again, it's almost a bit similar to what we did when we discussed the partnership angle, is we have vendors that are aligned with our brand and are able to sell their products um, to our audience. Um, and it, and it, you know, integrates very well. So you could be, using Peter's example there, reading an article on Jensen Button and then see a helmet where you can buy a signed racing helmet by Jensen Button. So everything intertwines and interconnects into one another. And over the years, it's done okay. Um, But there is, I want to probably say this, you know, something that probably happens quite a lot in the the publishing space. um, I feel publishers some at times try to do too much um, too quickly. Um, But sometimes it's good to take risks or trial different things because you learn from it and you can adapt from it. And, you, that's how you ultimately grow. It's that, it's that part that I mentioned before. You know, if you invest, you know, sometimes not all investments work. You, you just got to learn from it. You think the, that the shop idea, the sort of collectibles aspect of that, is almost more important from a community point of view than a revenue point of view. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing if you've got you've got other people selling stuff through your platform, you're you're taking a cut, but it's not going to be massive. But the community value of it. It's got to be huge, right? Both good for us, uh, but more importantly, better for all the vendors is people trust us. You know, we yeah. are a trusted brand. We've been around for a very long time. It's, uh, you know, using the Jensen Button one as an example, that's, that's, a, that's a big investment. You know, at Multisport, we have comfortably sold products on our e-commerce platform over, you know, worth over £10,000 each wow. item. Um, so, you know, that is, that's, you know, somebody has got to one trust us to make that purchase and trust us in knowing that they will get their product and be happy with the product that they receive. So we got away with it last week by not uh, mentioning artificial intelligence at all. But I know that you know, <laughs> having looked at a lot of financial results from publishers this year, many people are placing AI at the sort of top of their investment level. And a lot of them are saying this, they're going to use it to supercharge their subscription businesses. So what do you see as being the, I suppose, the main use case for artificial intelligence for you, if at all? I wouldn't say it's going to supercharge my subscription solution for me. Um, yeah. I still very much rely on as I mentioned, my, my team, I, I have a very good team here. We're a small team, but um, I don't see it directing the sort of subscription strategy that we should be doing here at Multisport. But what I mm. do see it doing is supporting in smaller tasks that we have internally, whether that be copywriting that was previously kind of held or managed or overlooked by editorial that we are now able to come up quite quickly and seamlessly within our own team. Um so small, small tasks, I think it would be a huge benefit for. Um, and also things around maybe repetitive tasks. That in itself would mean it's going to improve workflows for teams internally. Um, you know, our, our email platforms provider, .digital, currently has or introduced AI within their solution. Um, now, you know, it's, it's very basic. It just gives recommendations on subject lines and headers that we send out in our communication. So it's not groundbreaking, but somebody like, um, again, I don't know if they do this, but someone like Zephyr, we were talking about before, the, the payment solution provider, uh, sorry, the yeah, payable solutions. You know, if they can incorporate AI in such a way that it's registering what, you know, what, how a customer is behaving on a page and present to them real time AI 
paywall solutions to say, you know, what we've seen this customer has been clicking a lot of articles. They clearly like lots around um, Lewis Hamilton. Let's show them a paywall message that's something along the lines of here, you know, why not subscribe to Motorsport Magazine where you can get a load of Lewis Hamilton articles and here's a link. Here's a, here are a few links that you can take advantage of. You know, so stuff like that, you know, utilizing AI. I also know one other publisher off the top of my head that is utilizing AI to power their search within the website, which I yeah. think is pretty clever as well. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a really good use case for it. The bad use cases are the people like uh, the guy I saw today going, uh, actually, AI is really powerful. It's just enabled me to create a computer game from scratch, and it was just a Angry Birds clone. Like they, All he did was type in, like Angry Birds do again, and that was it. So yeah, it's. I think you're right that it's more about the kind of the small steps in the short term uh, that'll actually make the add up to the big differences. One of the things that I do want to touch upon before yeah. we finish is there's been some research out that um, we've spoken about propensity to pay here, but there was some research from toolkits that showed that uh, if people are aware that it's much easier to cancel subscriptions, it's also suggested to lead to them taking up more subscriptions. To what extent do you feel like we are moving towards a world where it's just as easy to cancel subscriptions as it is to take them up? And what impact do you think that's going to have on people's perception of magazine brands? So I think it's worth noting that there is, there's discussions currently about new legislation that's coming in yep. from, that's going to make it compulsory to potentially make sure that customers are able to one seriously be able to cancel their subscription. You know, I always think of it as how would I like to be treated? Um, yes. So I would say, you should, yeah, you should make, you know, we as publishers should make it as easy as possible. Um, one of the things that I'm, that we are, we are looking, um, we've already started the work internally here at Multisport. Um, it's not something that I would implement straight away, but it is definitely something that I will make as easy as possible for a subscriber to almost, you know, I would say click a button and their subscription gets cancelled, but it would take them down the funnel. It wouldn't be a case of press a button, your subscription's ended. It would almost be a button of, you know, if a customer is on a bundle, you hit cancel my subscription, pop up a pair saying, are you sure you want to do this? Um, or would you also be interested in a lower offer, which is only digital only, for example? So guiding them down a funnel for them to eventually cancel the subscription, fine, they cancel the subscription. But again, with all data, we're obviously capturing data to some degree extent. I will then try targeting that subscriber again. For us here at Multiple, I want to just make sure I'm you know, because I, I know there's a number of publishers out there. I've heard this from other talking to other people in the sector that it's actually exceptionally difficult to cancel your subscription. Uh, that's not the case for us. You know, if 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 somebody subscribes to Multiple Magazine, they send us an email to say I want to cancel my subscription. Ideally, within 24 hours, we've got back to them and we've cancelled their subscription for them. You know, we respect their wishes and we cancel their subscription. Or even if they call us on the phone because we have an in-house customer service team, we always honour customers' uh, willingness to cancel the subscription. I think that makes such a difference, particularly what you said there about, you know, we're, just because we work in publishing doesn't mean we're not also consumers of, of subscriptions as is. And I feel like sometimes, particularly newspapers, without, in fact, I'm um, going to say something, but I'll bleep it out. But make it impossible to unsubscribe. It is an absolute I, 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 Yeah, that's, that's exactly who I was thinking of, and I didn't want to say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Ladies, gentlemen, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Media Voices. Thanks again to Zamir for taking part. We recorded that very late on a Friday evening, so we're appreciative not just of his availability, but for the coherence that he managed to bring to that discussion at the end of a long week. It is now 5 to 11 on the Sunday the 5th, so roughly eight hours before this episode goes live and I've just finished editing it after a incredibly long and arduous journey back but that doesn't mean that the work stops so if you would like to subscribe to media voices you can go to voices.media and sign up to our newsletter now in that newsletter you can find the four most important stories from the media world from the previous day so you're clued up when you go into your morning meeting you can also find out more about our partnerships such as the one we have with mx3 who are doing an ai summit in a couple of weeks not the weak source bullshit that the government's just done but actually something that is tangible and practical for publishers so you can go to voices.media to find out more about that but listen it's late and i don't want to piss my neighbors off too much so thank you so much for listening have a fantastic week and goodbye <laughs>